let's pray. Father, again, as we open up your word, we're just excited, Lord, that we can come here and still freely in this country, in this place, to be able to open up your word to hear from you. We're not hiding in some cave. We're not being the thought of persecution and, and uh, as our brothers and sisters around the world. So we lift up our, our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. In Afghanistan and Syria, everywhere, Lord, there just seems to be this, this darkness that continues to fill and move as we see in times as we draw closer for your return to take us homeless and rapture us out of here, we know the end times would be dark and it would be very, very serious. And so we lift up and encourage, Lord, and we intercede for our brothers and sisters around the world. And we intercede for the missionaries that you have sent out around the world to minister and to lead people to you. But Lord, if we may not be called overseas, but you have called us to here in this north country May we reach the lost. May we encourage those in the faith. Do that through the way radio, Lord. Do that through our, our own mouth that you have put across someone across our paths that we can just speak truth with and, and love. Sharing of the grace, your grace. Again, Lord, open up your word to us. Illuminate your word to us to help us hear us what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to be picking right back up where we left off. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And I'm going to read verse 10 through verse 24. And then we will go back and we'll take it verse by verse. Now, Paul says here, now to the married, we're switching subjects. I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to, leave, to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? 
let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedom. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. So as we take a look at the scriptures today, we're going to see, as we are seeing a series that we've started last week on the principles of marriage. Last week we saw the principles of marriage and celibacy. There was, a, there was something going on in the Corinthian church that says, you know, if we're just celibate and we live a celibate life, we can just somehow become more holier or more spiritual and be more available to do the things of God. And that was happening both the fact that within the marriages of that church, so these married couples were having some challenges because one or the other spouse was denying that sexual relationship, that intimacy that is owed to one another to into the marriage relationship they were unnaturally saying no i'm not we're not having this sexual relationship because i am so devoted on doing and things for god i just don't have that time or the energy to do that and paul says no that's not that's not right that's not natural there's a time you can do that that's if you both mutually agree upon that abstinence time and you both agree before that decision gets implemented so, you know, as, 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 as it goes by week by week by week, one of them is going, wait a minute, why aren't we having any intimate relationship? And then finally one's probably going to say, well, why aren't we having any intimacy here? Oh, did I tell you? I'm not really interested at this point in time. Well, no, that Paul says that's not right. You should be, it should be a, a period of time. It should be short durations. Matter of fact, he even highlighted it's during that short period of time where you're not intimate. It is during the time when you're praying and fasting. Now, I, I jokingly said last week, it's good that he put praying and fasting because we know some men can't last that long, ladies. So you don't have to worry about them going very long. Now, for some ladies, they could probably fast for 40 days, so you should pray for your wife as well. That was a joke. But the importance is, is that there's a unity between man and woman by having that. That's God-ordained. Remember, when you're getting married, you're not to have an intimate relationship. You're trying to build a friendship. You build that friendship, then God confirms, like, yep, this is the one for you to be married for the rest of your life on this earth. I have this one for you. You're only going to have one. One man, one woman coming together. Not one man and multiple women. Not one woman, multiple men. No, it's one woman and one man. Here we go. Then you start courting. You're preparing your hearts, not only from a friendship perspective, but now spiritually you're coming together. The physical connection does not happen until after you are married. That is how God designed it. And it's good and it's right. And you're thinking with your clear head, you know. You're not, the physical aspect sometimes can cloud your judgment and understanding. 
And you want to hear from God of what he has and what God's best is for you. Now, what happens is once you have come together as one, you're, you're, you're knitted together, as we see in the scripture, your you're oneness. Now, I don't fully, completely understand that, but God says there's a oneness that he's bringing to a man and woman together into such a spiritual and physical depth that it's, it is never to be separated. And so now we see in the scriptures here, the Corinthian church last week had questions in their letter to Paul. And the first question was, what about the celibacy within the marriage? And in singles, those who were not married, about celibacy. And he addresses those, and he'll continue to address more on the singleness or the gift of celibacy or the gift of singleness and later on in this chapter. But today, there's another question he's going to answer, and that is, what about divorce in with marriage? What, is, what does God say about divorce? Because here was the challenge. Now the couples are thinking, well, you know, I am, we're, I'm saved. Um, you know, I really don't want, I don't need to be married. I'm just going to devote my entire life to Jesus, and I don't really need a spouse anymore. And I think I could be more spiritual if I didn't have to think about of a spouse. Th that kind of crazy thinking. And Paul is going to address that in that kind of a thinking. But he also, those who were born again, and maybe their spouse is not born again. And we're going to see, well, if I got saved and my spouse is not saved, I can get rid of him or her, right? And I'll be free from that non-believer, right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to live with that non-believer, right? And then we can go and move on and serve. The... Again, Paul is going to address that in our verses today as we've read them. So here in this very first, he starts off now to the married, right? He was talking about the singles. He was talking to, to those in that celibate state. But now he says, now to the married. He says, I command, who's I? And he makes it very clear. Yet not I, Paul, but the Lord is saying this. So this is a commandment from the Lord. This is not Paul speaking here. God is just using Paul to write this down. But this is a commandment for the Lord. It says, a wife is not to depart from her husband. She should not, she should not be so separating herself from her husband. That's a commandment what God says here. But in verse 11, Paul understands the, the power in the, our flesh and how we think. So he adds a word, key word here. He says, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried. Or be reconciled to her husband. Now, so he's saying the commandment that God has for a married couple. We're talking about a married couple. We're talking about two believing Christians here. Two believing Christians. You're both professed Christians. You're living in Christ. You're both believers. He says, God says there's a commandment. A wife, you're not to, to separate from your husband. I know his snoring can be overwhelming. That is not a justification to say we're separating. Change your cooking. He has to lose some weight. Maybe he'll stop snoring. He'll lose some weight. But you're not to separate. But if you, for whatever reason, there's something going on in that marriage that's causing you that there's, it's not safe. 
Maybe there's a safety issue taking place there. No woman should have to stay in a relationship if it's not safe. There's okay. They, they can separate through counseling and, and mediation and, and counseling and trying to, to work those things through. Maybe he's got an anger problem that you're not, that's not a safe environment for you. Well, he says right here, you can separate, even if you choose to separate and you're, you're departing, you are to remain unmarried. That doesn't give you justification to run out and try to get married. You are to, there's only two options once you separate from, that, from your husband. You are to stay unmarried or you are to look to be reconciled back together as husband and wife. At the very end of verse 11, he says a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now, do you notice there, he, Paul is capturing the, the whole gamut. He's talking about separation between two married Christian co a couple, but he's also dealing with divorce here as well. Two, Christian, uh, two Christians and a, a marriage couple as, a, as, as one, and there is a question and there's an issue. Husbands is not to divorce his wife. That's a commandment from God. And so he's looking and he's addressing their questions from the Corinthian Christians, wondering if it's more spiritual to be single. I have more freedom to just serve the Lord. I don't have any other responsibilities. I have the flexibility. And that can sometimes the enemy throws that into our minds when you're busy doing what God's called us to do. You can get our minds get a little crazy and go, well, if I didn't have to be, you know, worried about anybody else, I could just be so flexible and I can go do what I want to do for the Lord. Be more. No, no, don't go down that path. That's just the flesh. That's just Satan trying to, to bring a separation and a disunity within, within the marriage. You have to bring those thoughts under captivity because that is not of God. So Paul is making a very straight answer to their question of the heart of what God, the heart of the Lord is, and that is absolutely not you're not to do this. And even if she does depart... You need to remain unmarried or be reconciled. Now this connects to the two specific grounds that we also see in the scripture when it comes to talking about divorce. There's two specific grounds under which God will recognize a divorce. When there is a sexual immorality that has taken place within that marriage, we see that in Matthew chapter 19 verses 3 through nine, clear as can be. And also in the case when a believing partner is deserted by an unbelieving spouse, which we will see in verse 15. Those are two grounds that God allows for a divorce. Now he says, the key word is, it permits that to happen. Does he want that to happen? The answer is no. Say it. No, we just read his command is that he doesn't want separation. He doesn't want divorce. He's what he brought two together. He, he knows if the two people would just surrender their hearts and live for Christ, that he can heal that. But he understands you. He understands me, understands the flesh and how we, but he gives a couple of grounds here. One is the fact that if there's sexual immorality, there is a, such a division and such a hurt that can take place in the heart of the one that, that uh, 
did not. I mean, they're, they're staying faithful to their vows. They're living how Christ asked them to do, and they're being faithful to their spouse. They become so hurt that their heart can become hardened and become so more empty the fact that they know that their spouse has cheated on them. And it's only by the grace of God and in the power of God of seeking after God to help forgive. You won't forget. But forgive and to be able to reconcile and to come back and still continue to have a, a healthy marriage. But it's by the grace of God and that's seeking after and it's going to be through a lot of pain and a lot of... But there could be and that's why he's giving some ability to allow permission or permitting for those under a couple of circumstances where that, that spouse who was cheated on can find peace, as we saw in the scripture, because he wants us to have peace. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that, so don't let your mind go too quickly. Oh, I don't have peace. That means I can just, no, 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 we'll get to that part, so hold that thought right there. Stay with me. Stay with me in the context here. So he, we know the fact that, yes, sexual immorality, yes, if a non-believing, unbelieving spouse uh, uh, deserts them, uh, takes off on them, leaves them. Yes, that's going to be grounds for divorce, and they can take care of that. But any other grounds that someone says, I think this is justification enough in my mind, I'm going to divorce, God will not recognize that divorce. Even if the state does. Even if your best friend tells you, oh, he's a miserable old man, divorce the man. Get out of there. Be free. Join us, women's club. We're going to be traveling the world without our husbands. Don't get caught up in some of your friends because they'll mislead you, especially if they're not following the word of God. Your family will even do that because, you know, your mom will come in for the rescue. Yo, sweetheart, you don't have to put up with that man. He's so wicked. Don't listen to mama. Listen to the word of God. Let God guide you. Be very careful on the counsel when it comes to the subject of separation. Come seek counsel with us as pastors. We will bring you back to the word and, and help you through that. But God does not recognize the divorce then the individual is not free to remarry. So if they choose to divorce, they're not free in the eyes of God to go back and go turn around and go find uh, that person, another person to, to remarry. Because in the eyes of God, they're, they're not divorced based on what God has allowed or permiss permissive for them to do. They can only, as we see in the scripture here, remain unmarried or be reconciled back to the husband. Jesus said that the one who divorces for invalid reasons in Matthew 19:9 says marries and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And so it's serious matter understanding when someone chooses to divorce there's consequences that can also bring, if you bring someone else into your life, they can bring them into sin as well. It's called adultery. When Jesus' disciples 
understood how binding, he made sure it's very clear how binding it is when God brings a husband and wife, a man and woman together as husband and wife. It's binding in marriage a covenant that he is, he's created, he is ordained, he's established. How can that be broken by anyone? And inside of God, there's no one who can break that. And that's why he is this response from them. He says, if in such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry, Matthew 19.10. They understood what Jesus was saying there in Matthew and communicating with them how important it is what God is doing in bringing a husband and wife together, that there should be no separation. No one should be getting in there and trying to rip those, those relationships apart. And you, you can't be selfish and start looking, wanting to have a better life and, and start choosing if it's not in line with what the scriptures say. You're putting yourself at risk. And that's why he, Paul is saying to them, they must have had this, this, this mindset. This is, oh, God just... God wants me to be happy, and it doesn't, he doesn't want me to be married to this person anymore. God brought someone better to me who's more godly, and then we'll be able to serve and go to the mission field. I have heard so many reasons why they want to divorce their spouse and, and justify it from some spiritual way. Somehow they're going to be holier and more righteous if they remarry some other person. That's not how it works, people. That's not how God designed it. Now, if she does depart, if a Christian couple may in fact split up for reasons that do not justify a biblical divorce because of some spiritual misguided thinking or because of of general unhappiness or uh, conflict with the, the spouse's parents, they don't love me, you don't understand, I can't go to any holidays because they don't love We've heard it all. Some of us have experienced it. That doesn't justify divorcing your spouse so you can get another mother-in-law that's a little nicer. That, that is that's like, I won't go there. Uh, abuse, it could be a reason. They could be abused. That's for divorce. Mis- misery, addiction. My wife got stuck on some pills. She's completely lost her mind. She She's an addict. I can't handle it anymore. She's too moody for me. That doesn't give you justification for divorce. The man's lazy. He's not working. He can't provide for me. He wants to just sit around and play his video games like a kid again. He's you would think at 70 he would stop, but, you know, I've given him 50 years, but he won't do it. That's not biblical justification for divorce. I'm sorry to say this to you. But perhaps there are situations where separation must take place. But I reassure you, as a Christian, you want to look and ask God to change the heart, to change hearts, for forgiveness to take place, and to come and get help into reconciliation, because that pleases God. Now, we will see here, when he says a husband is not to divorce his wife, 
we understand that, yes, sadly enough, you can have a Christian couple, two people, as Christians, born again, they were serving the Lord. They, there's fruit from their lives. You know they're Christians. But then something happens. There's no longer, there's a division. There's disunity. There's an unsettled unforgiveness. Whatever it is, and Satan got a foothold, and things start spreading apart, and you, they don't want, I don't want to go get help. The church doesn't know, need to know we're having problems. Trust me, the church already knows you're having problems. <laughs> you're a family, right? You can't keep coming on a Sunday and keep fellowshipping and just serving the Lord and not have someone in your life who you're building relationships know there's something going on within your marriage. If you can continue to come to church and you, don't, you come in after everyone's here and you leave before everyone stands up to even say hi to you and you don't get plugged in anywhere, yes, you can come week after week after week and no one will ever know you have a marriage problem because you don't say anything to anybody. You always have the, the, the church smile on. They didn't see you when you were driving in the car on the way here and the two of you were having an intense discussion with each other on the way to church. As soon as you get out of the car, it's like the church smile comes on. It's like a little switch. And when you get out of church, you get back in the car, and what happens? Sometimes the switch goes back off. <laughs> you know. But that shouldn't be. We're here to help, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, hearts can change, and reconciliation can take place if both are willing to change and do and live according to the ways of God. But he says to the husband, and the husband not, is not to divorce his wife. Because Jesus never commands divorce, in the, you know, never commands just because someone had a sexual immorality, uh, you know, defiled and went outside the marriage. Uh, he didn't say you must divorce your spouse now. He doesn't say that. I've heard it taught. Well, as soon as they have you know, a relationship outside of marriage, it is a guarantee you must get a divorce. That is not true. That's not biblical. It's permissible. If your heart or their heart is not, if they're not willing to repent of that sin, they're not willing to recognize and understand how that has hurt you, how it's, it's causing disunity within the marriage, and, it, and they just want to continue to do whatever they want to do, and your heart has given and given and tried and tried. And there's a point where you're going to heart, it comes so, it gets hardened. You're going to find that divorce is the right thing for you. And you seek counsel. Sit with your pastor. Sit down and talk it through. They'll ask you some questions, help you, guide you through that. And then you take the necessary steps. Because God, as we see in the scriptures, wants you to have peace. But it's the last, absolutely last step. It is not your first thought. It's not your second thought. It takes time to get to a point where you say, I don't, that we cannot have a healthy marriage moving on. And it will be very obvious, right? It will be very obvious in, in that counsel as you seek the Lord. You, you, God will show you, and, and in counsel we will see. 
Now in verse 12, he says, but to the rest, I, watch this in the words, not the Lord. So now it's Paul speaking. It's not something the Lord has written in the scriptures and gave a commandment. But Paul, by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is, God is giving him things to understand for clarity on another situation here that Jesus did not speak about while he was on this earth. Watch what he t- we deal with now. He says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. So it's a subject matter that Jesus didn't speak to, but the Holy Spirit is going to use Paul to bring clarity to the Not the commandment, but the principles of marriage when it comes to can you divorce or not divorce your husband or wife if you are now a believer and they're a non-believer. Now let me make sure you're clear right up front. For you single people who one is a believer, this is not to help you justify why you're going to start having a relationship with a non-believer and say, oh, we'll get, we'll, we'll get married, we'll, we'll be encouraging him and or encouraging her to get saved, and we'll have a great marriage. No, 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 no. Don't go outside the context here. These are people who are already married, and one became saved, the other one's not. Because we know in the scriptures You as a believer cannot be unequally yoked and cannot marry a non-believer. Period. There is no gray area on that people. Are you with me? Because if you're not, you're going to have the challenges is why they're talking about divorce. You're going to have challenges because once you're saved, you've got your two non-believers, you're just, you've met, you fell in love, you got married, one gets saved. There's automatically going to be conflict, people. Darkness and light is going to have conflict. You're wanting to serve the Lord. You're wanting to give to the Lord. You're out there ministering to people. You're, you're doing what God's called you to do, and you're now you're not doing the things you used to do. He used to love you because you used to go out drinking with him. You used to do the drugs with him. You used to just be so freeing and anything goes kind of mentality now you're saved and you're knowing what the word of god says and you're like no i'm not doing that anymore no that's not pleasing of god no i'm not going there no i'm not talking that way no husband you need to stop swearing and cussing and 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 doing these things you're doing in this household it's not that really offends me it never used to offend you you used to do it more than me but i'm a child of god now don't you don't you understand? No, I don't understand. I don't know what kind of phase. I'm hoping to overcome it somehow. Paul makes it clear. If they're willing to live with you, you stay married. If he's willing to live with you, stay married. Why? Why would anyone want to stay? They're asking Paul, why would we stay in that state? It's going to be difficult. 
It's going to be uncomfortable. I want a spouse who's going to pray with me. I want a spouse who's going to serve with me. I want a spouse who's going to do what God was going to call me. I want a spouse who's a godly man, a godly woman, who's willing to do what God's called them to do and, and raise these children up in the ways of the Lord. And it's going to be a beautiful... I see the marriages who do it God's way, and I want my marriage like that. Can I divorce this, this guy and just get a better guy? And Paul says, no, you can't. Why? Well, verse 14, Paul tells us. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Why? Why do you not just automatically divorce this person? Because there's, there's, you're both were there, you gave your life to the Lord, but they chose not to do it. As much as you try to manipulate him to do it, as much as you try to force her to do it, she wasn't willing to do that. You're still not supposed to divorce. Why? Because God can use that in the life of your spouse, your unbelieving spouse. Because there is a sanctification. Not that you now, because you're a believer, you somehow save your husband or save your spouse somehow. No, that's a decision they have to make. It's a personal decision if you want a personal relationship with Jesus. But you are, there's a blessing, there's a covering, there's a protection on your unbelieving spouse because you're a believer now. And not only is your spouse now protected and there's a blessing that comes... And continues to they benefit from the relationship and the provision that God is going to take care of you. Because you're a child of his. He's going to take care of you. And if he takes care of you with a roof over your head and food on the table and the clothes on your back that he promises. Guess what the spouse, the non-believing spouse gets to benefit from? They're with you. <laughs> They're going to have a house over there, the roof over the head, the food on the table and, and clothes on the back. But not only does your spouse benefit because you're saved now. It says here in the scripture that your, cha- your children likewise benefit through this. How is that? Well, we have the beautiful assurance in the word that as a believer, our children are, in this, as you see in the scripture here, are considered holy. These babies, these young kids, they're, they're not at the age of accountability that varies for children. That there is a protection and there is a holiness. So if something happens, they're immediately in the presence of the Lord. Scripture is very clear for us on that. It's very reassuring here. that they're, Not that they were born holy. They were born wicked little babies just like you. But they were raised and brought into a Christian family. And from that, there is a benefit of protection and recognition of, by God that they, if something happened to them while they were young, that they would be in the presence of the Lord. But the scripture here in this verse does give us an indication 
that if children are not under a Christian parent, there is a question that they're unclean or meaning unprotected, un, a, a state where it's not a benefit or a question, would they go directly in the presence of God? Paul is saying here, when he says, otherwise your children would become clean, is clearly giving the sense that apart from the presence of a Christian parent, the child is not regarded as holy, rather un as unclean. Now, I'm not going to get into the theology too deep of, of would my non-believing children, my daughter and her husband, who are non-believers, who have my grandchildren, and something happened to the grandchild, I believe they're going to be in the presence of God. Well, I'm with you on the fact that I believe God's mercy and his grace triumphs. And that we're going to leave that to God to decide and we'll just be still on the things that we read. If we don't have full clarity, right? So we just know that Paul warns, keep in mind, Paul, this is Paul. It's I am saying this, not the Lord, that the children are not are unclean, meaning there, there's not a protection there. There's not a blessing on there. There's not a covering because of the parents of being a Christian. Do you see how important it is the benefit of being a Christian family, a Christian parent, a Christian couple, the blessing that comes for both the husband and the wife and the children and the offsprings that come from that marriage? Why would you, after knowing what the scriptures say, take any chance or any question or any lukewarm approach and says, ah, you know, my kids will do what they want to do. If they believe, they believe. They don't want to believe, they believe. I don't know about you, but once, I'm thankful. I have children who love the Lord. I know, I, I know they, they're children of God. So that my grandkids, I don't have those concerns. But I assure you, when I meet other couples and grandparents who have children who are not saved and they have kids, I'm encouraging them as believing grandparents to get involved with their children, share the word of God with those children, share those, don't give up because there's blessings and protections for those children, those grandchildren that you love so dearly. You may have given up on your own kids, but don't give up on your grandkids. You know what I'm saying? I met most of you people who have had grandkids. You love your grandkids a lot more than your own children. You know, that's what I'm finding here. In most conversations, that's how it goes. One day, I hope to be experiencing why you love your grandkids more than your kids. I can't believe that, but we'll just go with that. But Paul does say something very, very serious and very, very tender. But his mercies and his grace is supreme. And I will rest in the fact that God does bless and there is a benefit for having a Christian parent or parents for those children. In verse 15, but if the unbeliever does depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. 
For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? I have counseled many, 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 (laughs) many, many people in this situation. And I've watched it go many different directions. But what I do know is the word of God has always been right in every single situation. Where there are two, where a non-believer says, I'm done, I can't handle this holier-than-thou wife thing, and she ain't changed, and she ain't going to change, and she won't now, she's not putting up with all my, 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 my darkness, and uh, I'm leaving, I'm departing. And I've watched that wife go, oh, I'm just going to beg him to come back. And, and I say the scripture, let him depart. He doesn't want to live with you. He's had enough. Let him depart. God is going to take care of you. The blessing and protection is upon you. He has no longer will have protection. He will no longer have the blessings. He will feel the ram. He'll feel the full blunt of his decision. Some men will do the opposite. Women said, I'm done. I, I can go have a great life and I don't need you anymore. And a guy will just, I will give you anything. I'll stop going to church. I'll do this. I, he'll compromise and put God out of his mind just to convince her to come back because he doesn't think he can survive without her. Again, be very, 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 very careful when you put someone else in place of what God is supposed to be reigning. And a spouse can do that. When you make your spouse your goddess or God, you will come out, you, it will never turn out good. You must keep God number one in your life, your spouse number two. Not your job, not your children. Not your toys, and certainly not yourself. You must keep God number one and your spouse number two. And when you do that, you'll be amazed how great the marriage is. That requires you to die of self. I know it's painful. But He, God, will empower you to give you the strength to die self and just please the Lord that's the question you show am I pleasing God because he says if you're going to depart let him depart he wants you to have peace holding on and struggling to keep that person there because you're you're afraid and there's a fear and of the unknown and all put your trust in God he will never leave you or forsake you His mercies are new every day. He will rally and bring people around into your life to help you. He'll encourage you and strengthen you when you no longer have strength. But just be obedient to what the word of God says. And see, because many times I have watched when they finally, they'll play the game. I'm going to leave you if you don't give me what I want and you stop this Christian thing and stop going to church and just do it. And they'll go, and when they, the woman follows through or the man follows through, says, if you want to depart, I can't stop you. You're free to go. What? 
You're telling me I can leave? You're not going to beg me and you're not going to give up? No, I'm going to serve my Lord. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to be faithful for the one who saved me. You're not my God. You're not my goddess. I'm going to stay focused. You're number two, but he's number one. And you'll see how many spouses realize, oh my gosh, God is really real in her life. God is really real in his life. She's, she's taking a stance. He's taking a stance. And that spouse, many times they'll go out into the darkness, what they want. They want the full darkness. They want to live in the world, play in the world, act like the And you let them go. They're at the full grasp of Satan. And when they spiral down to the bottom, many times they will give their life to Christ and their lives have been changed. Doesn't mean that that person takes them back. Unless your heart can be softened, unless there's a forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, and you can allow that person to come back in your life and you're not going to constantly telling him what he did wrong the rest of his life all the way to the grave. That's not fair for either of you. But clear, if they depart, let them depart. God will take care of you as the Christian. He is faithful to provide for you. Now in verse 17, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. So he says, no matter what your status is, you're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're widowed, you're remarried, whatever your status is, God can work in your life. God can restore and move you on and do what he's called you to do. Instead of thinking that you can, you can or will walk for the Lord when your status changes and walk for the Lord in the place, he says, no, no, you just to walk where you are today. So many people say, oh, pastor, I would do this, but this non-believing spouse of mine really holds me back. If I just get a divorce, if I just separate from I can then live for the Lord. Paul is saying, no, you need to live for the Lord now. But do and serve what you can. It may not be as full as you'd like, but just serve the Lord. Allow him to do the work and just be steadfast, long-suffering. Allow that to happen because he hasn't, there's no sexual immorality took place in that, in that marriage. He hasn't departed and left you. He's willing to live with you. He's, yes, he's ornery. Yes, he's angry. Yes, he's all these he's, Yes, if he's abusing you, yes, separate. We've got to get separation. We've got to get his anger under control a little bit and see how we can reconcile it. But you don't, shouldn't divorce him because what's going to happen is just because you think you're going to do more for the Lord, that doesn't mean you're going to just because you've changed in your, your status. But serve the Lord. He's called you, each one of us. He's called each one. So let him walk. Let him keep following the Lord and he'll, he'll guide you and do what he's, he's going to give you to do. Just be obedient. But then he continues in verse 18 and he gives his examples. He says, was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. 
Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. You were called a Jew. You were circumcised. You can't uncircumcise. You don't need to do that because you're now a Christian. You're, you're uncircumcised just because you're a Christian. Now you don't go out there and get circumcised. That doesn't. Sometimes people think that's a, it's some ritual, this religious ritual you should do just to, so you can be more holier and become more spiritual. Like, you know, that does, he says it's very clear. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. It's the key words there. He says, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Don't go get wrapped up in the religious things. Just get focused on what God commands you to do and, and calls you to do. Just stay focused and just do that. Don't get wrapped up in the other things. That status change is not going to make you holier, more righteous. That's just religion. But verse 20, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. So not only does he give a this an example of the principle of this practice of circumcision, but in verse 21, he sees another example of the principle around slavery. Those who are in an occupation or in your condition where you're a slave to the master. He says, were you called while a slave? Did you get born again while you were a slave? He says, do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it, yes. If there's an opportunity opens, yes, be free. You don't have to be a slave. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. We're, we are obedient to Christ. We're to live for whatever he is. We're our, he's our master. We're the, we're, the, we're the one that's supposed to just, yes. Whatever he says, go right, yes. Go left, yes. And then to some people will say, well, why did you say yes? Didn't you ask the Lord why first? No. Slave doesn't ask the master why. He's just immediate obedience. He just does. That's the state. That's why I am. I'm, I'm a slave to Christ. He's my master. He's my Lord. I don't ask questions. I just, I just, you know, that's from him. That's what his commandment is. I just do. I don't ask questions and argue and debate with him. He's the master. And Paul is saying to you, if you're a slave and you're in that position, that doesn't automatically say, hey, I'm born again. I don't have to be a slave anymore. No, that's the state you're in. That's the occupation you're in. Unless that occupation goes against the Lord, it doesn't, you don't have to change. I had someone in California days, she got, uh, she got saved. I remember this day, she came in and she says, oh, I need some counsel. I said, okay, and we're, ch we're chatting and talking right there in the back of the church, and all of a sudden she goes, um, I, I'm struggling in what I do for a work. I said, oh, okay, so are you having problems with your boss? Are you having problems with your coworkers? You know, you're supposed to love. And she says, I, 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 I stay there because of the money, and, but I, I know I'm not supposed to be there. I just don't think it's pleasing the Lord. And I said, so what do you do? She goes, oh, I strip at night. I dance and strip and everything. No, no, you're to leave that occupation that doesn't please the Lord. It's time to transition. Let's have, let's, let, I can write a resume for you. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I'm going to write a resume on that one. You know, I don't know, maybe a dance classes. You can give dance classes, but just, just a different type of dance. But yes, there's times where God changes your heart and you become born again. There is, has to be a change of occupation possibly. Because it doesn't please the Lord. Are you with me? 
But just because you got saved does not mean you have to. I, you know, being in the trades is a perfect example. Those who work in the trades, it is very, very difficult plowing and, and, and trying to plant seeds because the culture there is so dark at times. The language, the conversations, the, is so contrary. And the, the blasphemy of the Lord's name in vain is just every other word. And so many times a Christian, once you become a born-again believer, you immediately say, I can't, I can't be on the, doing the trades anymore. I can't be construction. I can't do this. And I can't because it just, it just it surrounds me daily. The Lord is going to encourage you here. You don't have to. Yes, you can pray and ask God to transition you, but you don't have to just because you become a Christian. You can be that light, that salt in that place because God knows exactly where you are working he knows exactly what he's given you the abilities to do to provide for your family and a roof over your head and food on the table. Trust me, he'll give you the strength to endure what he wants you to do. But he says there, in verse 23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state that is which he was called. God purchased you. God is your master, his Lord. Do you let him be your Lord and master? Do you, do you let him rule and guide and direct your paths daily? Because that's how we are to live as Christians. To wake up and say, God, you've given me a new day. Your mercies are new every day. What do you have for me? It's a freeing experience, my brothers and sisters, when you wake up and say, I know my calendar is full. It's all planned out. I'm very organized. Every minute of the day is one conference call, a meeting, this, that, you name it. But when you have a mindset that says, Lord, this is your day. This is what was presented to me. This is what I know. But I am going to remain flexible for what you call in that moment. And all of a sudden, you find yourself so flexible when all of a sudden you get a call and say, I have an emergency. Can I talk to you? And you're just like, well, Lord, I had something else. How, how, are you, how can I get that closed out so I can help this person in emergency? Or how can I find someone else to help this person? But you realize you become a vessel used by God in the lives of others if you will just remain flexible on what God is going to bring into, across your path versus what you want or what you don't want. And then you become very discontent in your walk as Christians. Why? Because he purchased you and I. We do not become slaves of men. We are not owned by men. We are owned by God. And he says where we are to go, when we are to go, and how much to go. That's where we want it to be. Because he says, brethren, sisters, let us remain with God. Let God be the center. Let him be the center of your life. Everything comes from that center. As mothers, mothers, your center is not your kids. Your center must be Christ. Husbands, your wives are not your center. 
Wives, don't expect your husbands to have you be the center. God is your center. That's who you stay focused upon. That's who directs your steps each day. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Not her, as much as she would love to. And not him, because he demands and gets angry and wants you to. And certainly not your little kids you love so much because they are the ones blah, 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 telling you what you should do. Mom, 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 mom. Those were endearing moms, weren't they? Because your kids love you so much. Mom, mom, mom. But keep Christ your center, my, my sisters. The children are third. Christ-centered. Husband, what do you think? Children, this is what we're doing. Did you see the priority? God, what, you, what pleases you? Sweetheart, I think this is what the Lord is showing. What do you think? Children, this is what we're doing. We don't want to do that. Talk to God about that because this is what God's titled us to do. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't like that. Well, You'll toughen up. It's called a spoon. <laughs> You're moving. Let's go. Pack it up. Let's get the car. And let's move. That is such a beautiful life when you put Christ centered in every aspect of your life and keep your priorities straight.